All right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on a beautiful spring morning? Are you guys starting to get the spring vibe out there? I, I pulled up and saw all the trees in full bloom. It is beautiful. And uh, hey, you know what? We love it. It's a new season and God's doing some awesome, miraculous, wonderful things. Amen. You picked a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise together today. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to stand up together for just a minute and we are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because who knows that America is coming to Jesus. We declare that right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated for just a minute there. All right. Well, praise God. Uh, today is Communion Sunday. And so we always love communion. It is a powerful, important uh, part of our lives as Christians. So I'm uh, reminding anybody online, if you're watching online, if you want to grab some bread and juice right now, you can uh, take communion with us and we welcome that. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, who wants some good news? Who wants some good news? All right. This week, our HVAC is getting installed in this building. So let's give the Lord some praise for that. Amen. All six beautiful brand new units. So uh, this is our last Sunday with these old dinosaurs that have been with us for 25 years. So fare thee well. You know, enjoy the scrapyard. But they're going to be gone. And uh, we'll have the brand new stuff. So that is an awesome, powerful testimony of how the Lord brought that about. And we will never get tired of talking about that. Amen. All right. Any ladies in the house today? Where's the ladies at? Praise God. Uh, the women's meeting is going to be this Friday at 6.30. Now, you got a little a reminder handed out to you, and there was a typo. It said 9.30. Don't show up at 9.30 because you'll probably be the only lady here. It's at 6.30 on Friday night. Desiree and Leah are going to be tag-teaming a message there about friends, and so it's going to be awesome, and I know they've got a bunch of great, fun, wonderful stuff planned, so ladies, make sure you don't miss out on that. Another announcement is this, is that uh, Chuck Coleman, our uh, our bass player, he, um, his ministry, Kingdom of Heaven Ministries, is helping to host an outdoor outreach this Saturday at Hinkley Bible Church. It's going to be kind of a Harvest Fest type of thing, but anyway, uh, the High Desert Word Center worship team is going to be playing out there from around 6.30 to 7 that night on Saturday out at Hinkley Bible Church, so I wanted to let you know about that. That'll be a fun time. All right, next announcement. Membership class is coming up. Yes! 
next Sunday, one week from today, next Sunday, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, and so the sign-up sheet is back there at the info booth. you got to get signed up, but it'll be next Sunday in Victory Hall. You get to spend three hours, I'm just going to say it, you get three hours with me, and that may be more than you can handle, all right? Sometimes I can't handle three hours with me, but it's going to be wonderful. And, uh, and so we're going to uh, just, it's... Membership class is an awesome time, but it's also, it's saying, you know what? I found my church. This is my commitment, and, and I want to be a part of this family, and we want you to be a part of this family. Uh, amen. So if you know this is your church, sign up for membership class. Now, also, I want to remind you that Easter is coming up. We're less than a month away from Easter, from the Resurrection Sunday. So that is going to be April 4th, and I'm encouraging you to invite somebody. Invite somebody. I mean, there's a, that's a beautiful open time where people are more open to coming to church and hearing the gospel. And we want them in here because if there's one thing we like to do, we like to preach the gospel and we like to see people give their lives to Jesus and turn it around and live for the Lord. Amen. And so Sunday, April the 4th is coming up. Praise God. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, you people are so smart. You're catch it's happy time. So pastor's gonna come on up and take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And of course, if you're giving online, you could go to hdwc.org slash giving and all the information is on there. And also there's a text to give number and that's on the website, but you can also simply give just by texting the right phone number. So you gotta make sure it's the right one though. You don't want to text. All right. So praise God. Man, that's good preaching, Pastor Dave. Lots of good news. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what a big deal that is paying cash for a project like this. Jesus did it through his people. Amen. Do you know, do you know we're in a partnership with God? It's God and sons. God and daughters. This is a family business and we work together with God and we get blessed. Everybody we come to contact gets blessed because we're partners with him. Well, I'll tell you what. I like that Luke 6.38. Think, think, think about you, think about us and what just happened. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, running over. I think that's running over blessing, paying cash for those units. Let's give the Lord a hand again. That is so awesome. Hallelujah. Well, hold up your hands if you need an offering envelope and look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. I love the Word of God. It tells me how to live. It tells me who I am, what I can have, and what I can do because I belong to Jesus. Amen. You know, I I, th- I think about us, if we look at life through the eyes of what we can do because how strong we are, how smart we are, or how good we are, we're going to end up losing. We will look at life through the eyes of the Word of God and look at how good Jesus is, how big He is, how strong he is, how smart he is, and purpose to operate through him, then there's nothing in this earth that will ever take us down. Amen? Might knock us around a little bit sometimes, but we'll get right back up and we'll win. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. I'm talking to tithers as I read this. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Reward. That means blessing. 
That means God's going to honor you and bless you as you serve him and obey him. He said, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You have need of patience. I want to talk about that word, word patience because a lot of times believers don't know what that word means. Patient means to endure and stay constant. Stay consistent. Said you have need of being constant and consistent as you obey God. And for tithers, it means this. And I was thinking about this when I was praying about the offering this morning. I think that some believers, because they're not constant and consistent in the Christian walk, <clears throat> they serve God for a season and they back off. They tithe for a while. Things get tight. They back off. They come to church for a while. And then something better comes up, so they back off. And then I think that a lot of times Christians that aren't consistent, they look at the tithe like they do bought a lotto ticket or a lottery. They think, well, I'm going to take a chance this week. i got some extra money. I'm going to, I'm going to give $10 for a ticket. i got extra money this week, so I'm going to put in $50, and I hope I hit it big this week. That's not what tithe is about. Tithing is being a consistent lifestyle. That means you serve God, you get blessed with a paycheck, whether it's a good paycheck or not as good a paycheck as you wanted, you look at it and you move the decimal point one point to the left. And so if you got paid a hundred dollars that week, you just move it over, God gets ten. You get paid a thousand dollars, you move the decimal point over to the left, God gets a hundred. And if you live a consistent life like that, you're going to see that your tithe is going to increase and increase because he's going to increase you. It's a consistent thing. And then sometimes, like running a marathon race, we're not in the 60-yard dash. We're not in a little sprint. We don't just run for a little bit and think, whoo, boy, that was good. You keep running and running and running this Christian race. You keep on living it and living it and living it. And sometimes you have seasons where you thought, man, I don't know if I can go another step. And then you keep going and God gives you a second wind. And you run another spurt, you do really good, and then you just keep on living that way, and that's the way tithe it is. You tithe whether it's good times, bad times, or you feel nothing times, you just keep on tithing, and God said you have need of patience. Stay constant, consistent, because rewards come. God rewards you. And you know something that a lot of times Christians think about God's blessing as money. Well, I'll tell you what, when you walk with God, and you live in divine healing and health, and you spend nothing on doctor bills for 10 years, what an increase that is, all that money that would have been spent on doctors and medicine, prescriptions and all those other things, all the work days that were missed, all the family times that you didn't get to participate in because of being sick. But when you live when you live in God's flow, constant, consistent, if you stop and look back over a lifetime when you live that way, of all the money that you hear other people spend on things that they had to fix things all the time and pay doctor's bills and stuff like that, all of a sudden you realize, wow, it was worth it. I was rewarded in life because I always had money for my grandkids. I always had money for other things because I didn't have to spend money paying on things I didn't want to. Amen? And so God's blessing is God's blessing. And Proverbs 10.22 says it makes rich and has no sorrow to it. Amen? Amen. Let's make our financial faith confession. Then break our tithes and offerings up the altar and worship God with them as we come up. All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, 
we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, when you're done dropping off your tithes and offerings, stand up at your seats and join us for praise and worship. If there's one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that's passing, it's not what I'm seeking. Like it's the air I'm breathing, I want your presence, feet on the earth, heart full of heaven, feel for you, completely consumes me, I can't get enough, can't get enough of you, your fire burning right through me, I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Let go of me, you can 
for a minute and thank the Lord he says that he always causes us to triumph in his name let's sing the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper when the darkness falls it won't breathe The God I serve knows only how to triumph. And my God will never fail. And my God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. 
Turn 
shows up and there's an overwhelming victory through him well, you can be seated so we're getting ready to receive communion and I'm thinking about that song as receiving communion this is one of the ways we prepare ourselves to walk close with God so he can walk close with us so we can win the battles you know I, I, I look out I look out among you and I think about my family and our life there's so many things going on around us. We all we all have family members that are going through things. Maybe they're going through sick stuff. Maybe they're going through marriage trouble, kid trouble, money trouble, whatever it is. But there's battles going on all around us, and the battles won't end until we get to heaven. 
because the devil tried it to heaven, God kicked him out. He tried it at the Garden of Eden, and God kicked him out. And so with the problems all around us, God sent Jesus as the answer to our problems. And so we receive born again. We're not delivered from all the trouble on earth. We're delivered from eternity in hell, but we're still living on earth. But he gave us the blood of Jesus. He gave us the word of God. He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us not just have battles, but to win battles. Amen. I tell you what, you can't be like, I don't know what kind of cartoons they've got now, but when I was a kid, we used to have one called Baby Huey. And he was a great big ostrich, I think it was. And he had a, he, he was, had a little bitty head and a great big behind. And he was a big target. He'd stick his head in the ground and didn't realize he had that great big butt sticking up. And he thought he was hit for the problems, but he was a target. A lot of Christians think they just stick their head under the covers and it'll go away. They think if I just deny it, it'll go away. No, it doesn't go away. You're a big target and you're a big target because you belong to Jesus. But we're going to look at some things in the Word of God this morning in communion as we go through communion to help you, as the song said, win the battles. Amen. How many want to win the battles? Amen. So if we do what the Word of God says, we will. Open up to 1 John chapter 1. Go look at a few verses. I'm going to start at verse 5 in just a minute. I want to give you a chance to get there. But as I was reflecting on communion, what it's all about, what I've learned in my 41 years of serving God and a good part of that time in the ministry of leading God's people is this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we look at instructions on communion. But as I was glancing at that a while ago, I was reminded that a couple of the primary purposes of communion, number one, is self-examination. Self-examination. And, you know, I think I think about women years ago, they came out with, you know, get, do, do a breast self-examination. If you feel anything wrong, get help. You check things out, you feel you feel a bump, any, any, any imperfection, you think now it's time to get help. You can, you can preempt a doctor's visit by finding something yourself. Well, communion is supposed to be self-examination. And then at the end of communion it says, if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. And so this is self-examination time, so God won't have to judge you. Or when God judges you, God's going to look at you and say, wow. They weren't perfect people, but they judged themselves. They put themselves under the protection of the blood of Jesus, and so I find them not guilty because Jesus paid the price. And so that's what I see communion is. You examine yourself, and then if you see imperfections, you run to the blood. You talk to Jesus. You say, Jesus, I missed it. Help me. I don't want to keep doing this. I'm tired of losing. I want to get it right, Lord. And you judge yourself. And then God looks at you, and God says, wow, they had a problem, but it's taken care of. They've judged it. Amen? And so I want to look at the how you judge yourself part of 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5 says this, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declared to you, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. And I want you to think about something. As we look at this, the Bible teaches there's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There's children of darkness, the Bible says, 
as the children of light. Think about a lot of things we've seen happen to our nation in the last year. When do the thugs come out and work in the darkness? When do churches meet in the light? When it starts getting dark, I remember the last couple of years we see these riots around the nation on the TV news shows. The cameras be out saying, well, it's starting to get dark here in Seattle, and here they come. Over here in Baltimore, it's getting dark, and the police are setting up barricades. Here they come. Well, God says in the kingdom, in the kingdom world, there's light and there's darkness. Since God is light, in Him is no darkness at all. That means God does everything out in the open because it's good. Amen. Did you ever notice, did you ever notice the people that do wrong things on the internet? They don't, they don't get up in front of a church and say, I want to show you the nice, nasty stuff I've been seeing. Look at this. They don't do it in front of everybody. So it says, God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, how many here have fellowship with Jesus? Amen. It says if we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we're lying. And we're not practicing the truth. So Jesus said, if you say you have fellowship with Him, then walk with Him. And verse 7 is really a very, 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 very awesome, necessary verse for all Christians to understand. If you're a Christian, you need to understand 1 John 1, 7. It says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so what that says is this in modern talk, God is saying right there, He knows that every one of us is at a different level with Him. Some of us know some things are wrong that other people don't know is wrong yet. But God says, as long as you're doing what I know you know to do, I won't hold you guilty for what you don't know to do. He said, you walk in the light as he's in the light, and that he'll cleanse you from what's not right. And so that means to keep a clean conscience with God as you're developing in your Christian walk, Somebody else tries to put a guilt trip on you because they've been doing it longer than you have. Say, you need to do this. Well, if that's not real to you yet, and you can't get a hold of it yet because you're not attained that level of growth yet, and you know, I think about little kids because spiritual growth is so similar to, to, to growth in the physical world. You know, you don't get upset with a little two-year-old if you give him a glass and his hand can't gla- grab a hold of that glass right because his muscles have developed his his grasping ability and he drops it and breaks it that's not his fault he didn't develop to that yet but if you give that to a 20 year old and they keep throwing the glass on the floor breaking it that's their problem amen and so god knows where you are is what he's saying and so when you're in a service and you hear something the word of god and all of a sudden that rings your bell something clicks in here and you go oh wow i never saw that before You just crossed the line where God says, now you're accountable for that because you see it now. Last week you got by with it. This week you don't because God says, now you got to walk in more light. You've got more light now. Walk in it. Amen. And so as we're doing, as we're taking communion, I want you to remember that. That's one of the things of communion we can walk in every day. Says walk in the light and he'll cleanse you from what's not right. Just be quick 
to judge yourself every day. Quick to repent every day. And then he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We have to recognize that we're not perfect. We're not going to go around pounding ourselves in the head because we think we're loser, loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. There's a picture of a loser. There's a loser. We don't live that way. We're winners in Christ if we walk in the light. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, communion time, this is what we're talking about. If we see things we need to talk to him about, we confess him. Say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry I missed it again. I can't believe I did that again, Lord. I'm sorry. He said he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And that's a twofold meaning. Number one, to cleanse you from unrighteousness means he cleanses you from a guilty conscience. You know, it's really hard to pray in faith if you feel guilty all the time. But if you've confessed your sin to him and you meant it from your heart, God said, I'll cleanse your conscience. So you come to me as if you'd never sinned. And when you pray and the devil tries to bring that up and say, well, you know what you did? You say, no, 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 no. I did do that. But I confess that to Jesus. He washed it away. I've got a clean conscience. I've got a fresh start. And then another part of that cleansing you from all unrighteousness means this. God will sanctify you and cleanse you from what caused you to do that sin in the first place. When you confess it, God's Spirit, His anointing begins to work in you. We're going to be talking about the anointing tonight again in the Sunday night service. His anointing will help you, as the song said, get the victory. God will help you fight that. But there's always the two-part system. There's the God part and the man part. You do the judging. You do the confessing. God does the cleaning up. And that's what communion is all about. So anyway, as we take communion today, I want you to think about that. If you fought the same battle over and over and over and over again, don't give up. Don't quit. As we bow our heads, as, as we as we pray in just a few minutes, as we do that, then if you see something going on, the devil says, ah, God's done with you. Say, no, 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 he's not. I'm still breathing. As long as I'm still breathing, God's not done with me because I'm not done with him. So let's just close our eyes and pray and let Jesus work in us and us work with him. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Well, I believe that everybody's had a chance to talk with the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. And just remember, as we do this today, this is not a natural thing. We are doing this on the outside as a natural thing, but it's a spiritual connection. And if you've went around that, that, that same mountain time and time and time again, you're walking around and walking around, think, how many times, how many times? Make the decision as we receive and you pray. You've walked around that thing the last time. That mountain's been removed, and you got victory this time because of Jesus. Amen? Well, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, Jesus said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. They don't have their communion yet. We didn't do good, did we, Robert? Well, I did mine. Amen. I've forgiven. Do you forgive me? I'm still used to the passing it out. I know we're at a serious time, but I'm just thinking back to Indiana. We were on, we were on TV a couple times a week, and then we had some bloopers. So I think that if we ever do bloopers 101, it will put that on Facebook. Blooper. But praise God, Jesus is good. His mercy endures forever. Amen. And so again, Jesus said, take eat. This is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me.
And we've got to stop and think that this doing remembrance of being modern, modern day talk, Jesus says, this represents my body that hung on the cross for you. The one, the, the one that had the spear thrust to the side. The nails in the hands and the feet. The one that said, I thirst and gave up the ghost. The one that took our sins, took our punishment. That's what he's saying there. Says, my body died. And my spirit came out of the body, went to hell for judgment, came up, then my body was resurrected and due to some life. So when we do this, we remember that this represents the fact that Jesus took it all so he could fight our battles. And then the blood. He said, this represents my blood, the New Testament, my blood, which was shed for you. He said, do this, remember it's me. So remember that you know, we're not, we're not the people from the Middle East that understand all the things that is about blood covenants, but the Bible says God's blood washes our sins away. God gives us a fresh start. So if you've had a conversation with God a few minutes ago when we were praying, and you've talked to Him from your heart, and you wasn't being phony, you're saying, Lord, I see this been going on. I confess it to you. Help me. Then you could, you could be assured that as you do this remembrance of him, that slate is clean. God looks at you. He doesn't see loser. He sees my son, my daughter, and I see no sin. I see righteousness is what I see. And every day, every day, every day, they're their best to live it. What's on the inside of them, the Holy Spirit's helping them. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for your blood. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to pay for our sins so we wouldn't have to. We can never thank you enough, and we are fully aware that everything we have is because of you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us enough when we were at our lowest to come in and pay the price. We thank you. We praise your name today, the name of Jesus. Amen. Can somebody give the Lord some praise today? Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. We've already just had a great time. We've already had plenty of church already, but I want to get into the word of God today. And, you know, today, kind of a little bit of a different angle that, that we're coming from. The title today is this, A Year's Worth of Lessons. It's called A Year's Worth 
of lessons. And as I was, I don't know, just kind of reflecting this week, I was, I was looking at the calendar and realizing that this coming week marks the, basically the one year anniversary of when the whole world kind of started going real crazy and shutting down and stuff like that. And I, I was reflecting on a lot of the things that I've learned over the last year. And we're going to discuss a few of those today, but you know, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes you can look back at different years throughout your life and, and you remember, Oh, that's the year that I, I learned this and, and that's the year that this happened. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just flipping back through my own personal life. I'm like, man, 1990, that's the year I learned how to read. You know, my mom taught me how to read. She did a pretty good job. I can still read to this day. You know, 30 some years later, I can still read. Uh, 1990, uh, that's the year I learned how to ride a bike. These things stick out in your mind. 1993, the year I learned to stay away from yellow snow. Come on, somebody. So listen, there's different lessons. If you grew, you know, I grew up in snow. But anyway, so there's different years you look back on and you're like, man, that was, that was, I learned some pretty important stuff that year. And so as I'm looking back on the past 12 months, We've learned a lot of lessons, and really, what I'm going to discuss today is, is honestly, it's not things that we learned for the first time 12 months ago, but it's really uh, a lot of things that we already knew from the Word of God, but we just proved that, I don't know how to say it, we were right. We were right. The Bible was right, and those that have stuck to the Bible, those that have stuck to the Word of God... 12 months later, they're thriving. 12 months later, they're doing really good. And, uh, I know, I, I, I don't know how to say it, but I just know this much that, man, the last 12 months have been possibly the best of my entire life. And I know so many people in here that can say the exact same thing. Well, why is that? Is it because everything's been perfect? No, it's because God's Word has been perfect. It hasn't failed, and the closer that I've gotten to it, the better my life has become. And I can say that without any fear of contradiction, that God's word is true, and and the last 12 months have done nothing but prove to me how right God is and how wrong everybody else is. Amen. And so we're going to look at uh, look at a few things today, a few lessons that we've learned over the past year, or at least I'll say this way, some lessons and truths that have been reestablished and reaffirmed over the past 12 months. So I want to pray that I want to dig into this today, and we got three points we're going to look at, and I just know that, hey, it's the Word of God, and we have proven that it works. But let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for a a, a church that we can belong to, a a place that we can come and worship you together in. And God, we are grateful that you have been so good to us, Lord, even though uh, it's not because we deserve it so much, it's just because you are so good. And God, I pray that as we open our Bibles today, you will speak to everybody here, everybody listening online. And God, I pray that you will challenge us, you will encourage us, and you will help us to be more and more like you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord. Can somebody say amen? All right. And so here we go. Three, I'm going to get three lessons that have been, I guess, reaffirmed or reestablished over the last year. And for some people, these lessons are things that they learned for the very first time. But the first thing is this. Number one, no doubt about it. God's word is true. 
God's word is true. How many of you knew that, you know, in 2019 already? All right. Amen. Well, listen up. There's a lot of people that have talked about, yeah, it's true. It's, it's powerful. But what's really great is when push comes to shove and when it's really actually challenged in your life, when you can stand up and say, you know what? I, no matter what it looks like out there, I choose to say God's word is true and I take this word over anybody else's word. And and I am grateful for people to do that. But let's look at a couple of awesome scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to look at verse 8. Man, who's excited to get into the word of God today? Woo! I, man, I love Sundays. You know, I, I, I absolutely love Sundays and I just, I love being in God's house, man. Who wouldn't want to be around a beautiful group of people like this talking about a beautiful God? <laughs> Come on. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. And this is so true and we can see it more now than ever. Isaiah 40 and verse 8, it tells us, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. There's a lot of things that change. The grass changes, the flowers, they're beautiful for a bit, but they fade away. We're starting to see the buds and the blooms in the desert, and it's pretty for a little bit, but we know, hey, not too long from now, those will fade away, and that's okay. That's just the natural course of things. But in this world, there are things that we just think, well, man, that's a, that's gonna be there forever, or this is gonna be there, and this, and listen, Things change. We've learned this. We've seen this, that things in this world change, but there is something that doesn't change. The word of our Lord stands forever. It doesn't change. And I can say this. I'm really glad it doesn't change. People seem to, I don't know, people like change, some people don't like change, and people always want updates and the newest and the greatest, but I am so glad that the word of our God stands forever and the word of God doesn't change because if it changes then look at all the promises that we've been standing on. Promises for protection. Promises for peace. Promises for restoration. Promises for healing. If those things change, then we are in a world of trouble right now. But thank God, the word of our Lord stands forever and his word doesn't change. It doesn't need updated. It doesn't need a new version. It doesn't need iOS 12.5 or whatever the heck we're on right now. The word of the Lord stands forever. And that's the best news that I've heard in a really long time. God doesn't change. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you here in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24. Is anybody familiar with Matthew 24? It is an end times chapter where Jesus gives a wonderful prophecy, a wonderful description of what the end times are going to be like. And I mean, and, and so we've studied Matthew 24. We have studied that a lot over the past 12 months. And it's a chapter I've studied a lot, you know, for several years. But it was very interesting over the past year to see a lot of the things I've been studying about 
actually start to happen. And so Matthew 24 is a, a wonderful, wonderful chapter. But I want to show you something in the midst of all of the end times prophecy that Jesus is talking about right here in Matthew 24. He says something that we need to know right now for where we are in this time. Matthew 24 and verse 35 he says, heaven and earth will disappear. Who knows that? That the, it, heaven and earth, it's going to disappear. But my words will never disappear. Come on, somebody. Listen, when this earth is destroyed, when this thing is wiped out, the word of God is still going to be here. Even after life on this rock ceased to exist, the word of God is still going to be in existence. The word of God is still going to be here. His words will never disappear. I like the way the Passion Translation put it. It says this, the earth and sky will wear out and fade away before one word I speak loses its power or fails to accomplish its purpose. The word of God, as Isaiah put it, he it goes out and it will not return unto him void. He said, my word always accomplishes what I send it out to do. Heaven and earth are going to die before the word of God fails in our lives. That's a powerful statement. This whole earth will disappear and fade away before the word of God fails us. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people that say, well, I know it says that, but I, I, the, I, I don't know. I, I've had some failures. Man, I've had plenty of failures, but the word of God isn't one of them. It's never failed me. There's not one single time in my, and I can say this without fear of being a liar. There's not one single time that I have applied the word of God to my life and stuck with it and the word failed. Now, there's been times where maybe I took some scriptures for a few weeks and then, I don't know, I did something stupid and failed and, and, and I, and I gave up on it or whatever the case is and I, and there was failure in my life, but there has not been one single time in my existence where I have stuck with the word of God and it has failed me. It has never happened through cancer, through, through financial troubles, through church troubles, through whatever the word of God has never failed. Sometimes I've received instant miracles and sometimes I've had to stand on the word for a season of life and fight the good fight of faith for a little while. But either way, the word has always worked every single time in my life. Heaven and earth would have to blow up before the word of God would fail. And it is not going to fail. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever forever. Now, it's one thing to talk about something or to preach about something. You ever know somebody that they can talk the talk, but they don't necessarily walk the walk? You know, some of you guys that have been involved in sports, you know some guys that they can talk a, a real big game, right? Then you actually get out there on the court with them and you're like, wait, what's this guy talking about? He, he's all talk, but he, he, he's got nothing. And so it's a sad thing for a Christian to be able to talk the talk, but when push comes to shove, they don't walk the walk. And when the battle shows up, when Goliath shows up, you're like, hey, where are they? They went running. They went hiding. But listen, 
the word of our Lord, it stands forever. And if you are a person that, that, that has not only been speaking the word, preaching the word, talking about it, when troubles has showed up over the past year, you didn't go running. You had the word of God and you stood firm exactly where you were at. And that's why you're here today. That's why you're doing so good today. And so we've been preaching healing for years and years and years. And guess what we did in 2020 and 21, we kept preaching healing just like we always have. Yeah, but there's sick people out there. This is the time they need to be hearing about healing more than they've ever heard about it before. Well, I don't know if I'd go. We've been preaching healing for years and years and years, and I am so glad that I go to a church and I belong to a family that believes that God didn't just used to heal, but that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he is still our healer. We've been preaching prosperity for years and years and years. Take a little bit of flack for that sometime. Well, they, you, you think that God wants to bless you with, with, with even money? Absolutely, I believe that. Now, do I believe that every Christian's going to be a multi-billionaire and have a jet and a, and a mansion? No, I don't think all that. But I know that God is a good God. He's a good father. And Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Why would a good dad want his kids to be broke and poor and begging? King David said in Psalm 35, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. God is a good God. And and I'm telling you right now, I am grateful that I've been believing that for a long time because when it looked like recession was going to hit and looked like the rug was going to be pulled on out, we've done nothing but prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. We've been talking about divine protection and divine healing for years. Psalm 91 been preaching this, been believing it. Psalm 23, I've been believing that the Lord is my shepherd and that he protects me. And I can say without one bit of regret, I am so glad that we've been reading that and preaching that and teaching that and talking that for years. Because when the storms showed up, we already knew, you know what? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I'm not running anywhere. The Lord is my light and he's my salvation. And so what I'm talking about is this, a year's worth of lessons. And one thing that just got reaffirmed and reestablished more so than ever before in my heart is that God's word is true. Not one ounce of it will fail us. And I am so grateful for a church and for people that believe that same thing. And I, you know, again, I'm just, we're speaking from the heart today, just letting it go out there. But I believe, man, the best decision, I am so glad the best decision that we ever made was to obey God's word and to keep these doors open when they said, you know what, you got to shut this thing down. You can't do this. I am so glad that we kept it open. And that there is a place of safety and protection for people to come to in the midst of the storm. Listen, this is, we need church now more than we've ever needed it before. We need the family and the people of God more than we've ever needed them before. This is not the time to shut churches down. This is the time to open churches up. And now thank God, amen, thank God. 
Now, of course, the, you know, the Supreme Court ruled that you can do it legally now, so that's even, that's even nicer. But at the same time, we're obeying God's word before we obey anything else. Why? Because God's word is true. Can somebody say that with me today? God's word is true. And I have seen so many testimonies of people that stuck with the word of God and they are thriving today because of it. Thank you, Lord. All right. And so a year's worth of lessons. And I learned a lot more lessons than this, but this is just a few. All right. For the sake of time. Right. So number one, God's word is true. Number two, fear will rob you. Fear will rob you. Now, I hate fear. I despise fear because I've seen what fear can do to really good people. Now, again, not, not, uh, knocking being safe and taking safeguards and, 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 you know, being a smart, good, healthy person. I'm not, 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 not knocking that. But what I'm saying is it's one thing to, to be a little bit startled or a little bit spooked. But there's another thing the Bible talks about called a spirit of fear. And God didn't give that to you. Second Timothy 1 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. People that have a spirit of fear, they don't have a sound mind. They're a little bit loco. You know what I mean? Come on. I'm not making fun. But listen, they're, 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 they're terrified. They're paranoid and not knocking being healthy and smart and safe. But what I'm saying is I refuse to let a spirit of fear dominate me and control me and ruin my life and keep me awake at night. That ain't going to happen. So fear will rob you. And a spirit of fear is a powerful, powerful thing in a really bad, nasty, gnarly way. A spirit of fear is a powerful thing because it can not only make an individual live in constant fear and paranoia, but a spirit of fear can control mass groups of people, as we'll look at here in a minute in the Old Testament. But when a spirit of fear gets control, it can not only control, you know, one single person, but it can bring fear to mass groups of people. And so a few facts about fear, uh, you know, as I'm just praying about this, terrible things about fear is one thing is it controls you. If you've ever been controlled by fear, that's a bad spot to be in. You can't apply for that job, stupid. What do you think? Don't even apply for it. You're not worth it. You're not smart enough. That is being controlled by a spirit of fear. You can't go over there. Are you kidding me? You can't have that. You can't do that. You can't be that. Fear controls people. What is another thing that fear does? It lies. Fear lies to people. And one, I've heard an acronym for fear. It's false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Fear will make a fool out of you. It'll make a fool out of you. I, I tell this story, but it's from my brother Joe. He talks about this time that he went camping with uh, with Chuck from church. They went up to Mammoth, and they're up in the mountains, and they see this dude come running down the running down the hill as fast as he can. And then they look behind, and his wife and kids are behind him. Well, what's going on? And behind them is a bear. Grown man left his wife and kids running away from them because of a bear. 
Now, if you know much about the woods, one of the dumbest things you can do if you see a bear is to take off running. His predator instincts are going to kick in, and he's going to go after you. But come on. I mean, I don't even want to, I wouldn't want to be there for that conversation when the wife and kids got to the bottom of the hill and he was down there. That would not be a pleasant conversation at all. And whatever he, whatever happened to him, he deserved it. By all means, he deserved a butt kicking. I mean, that's, that's a fool thing to do. But fear will make you do stupid, foolish things that you ought not be doing. And so fear controls people. It, it, it makes you selfish. Now that may sound like, but, but seriously, fear will make you a selfish person. It'll make you do things like clear off all the store shelves and not leave anything for anybody else. It'll, it'll make you do fool things like where you only care about, well, I gotta get mine and I don't, hey, every man for himself, you're on your own, pal. I don't know what to do. And, and fear will make people selfish. Fear can kill you. Fear can kill things in your life that at one point were good. And eventually, another fun fact about fear is fear eventually becomes sin. Well, that's not nice to say because it's not my fault. Fear can eventually come to such a place in your life where it is a sin. And I'm going to show you that here in a minute. But let's look at probably the best story regarding this in in the Bible. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Amen. Who refuses to be controlled by fear? Numbers 13. We're going to look at verses 27 through 28. Numbers 13, verses 27 through 28. But what are we doing? We're just kind of uh, looking at, at a year's worth of lessons. And again, we learned a whole lot more lessons over the past year. But here's a few that really stick out. So Numbers chapter 13. And what we have here, uh, if you're familiar with this story, uh, is Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the promised land, right? They, they've, they've made it out of Egypt and they actually, believe it or not, they get to, uh, they get to Canaan land. They get there and it's not, not a super long amount of time. People say, well, it took them 40 years. Well, it did eventually, but at first it didn't take that long. They got there and Moses sends in 12 spies. Why 12? Well, he sent one in for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he sends in 12 spies. Like, guys, go check it out. See what it's going to take. But this is the land that God promised us. And you better know today that God has a promised land for your life. Go scout it out, man. Uh, Just talk to the Lord. See what that promised land is. And so Numbers 13, we're going to look at verses 27 and 28. And so Moses sends the guys in and, and they come back with this report. Verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so they get in there, and and in fact, if you read earlier in the chapter, this land was so beautiful, so bountiful, they had grapes, clusters of grapes so big, it took two grown men to carry one cluster on a pole. I mean, 
massive amounts of food, good ground for farming. There was already homes set up. All they had to do was go in and kick the bad guys out and take over. It was a wonderful setup. And so these guys come back and say, yeah, it's just like God promised a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey. But there's one problem here. The people that live there are powerful. There's giants, everybody. It's a bad, bad situation. And sometimes you get a little glimpse of what God has for you and you're like, it is so beautiful. This is a beautiful dream, a beautiful family, a beautiful future. You get a glimpse of it and then you say, oh wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. But uh, I don't know if that's ever gonna happen because of this and because of that. And, and this over here happened. And when you do that, you're letting fear take over and you are elevating fear Above the word of God. God said, you can have this. Fear says, no, you can't. And you actually begin to elevate and believe the fear more than you believe the word of God. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I know you've done it. Because I've done it. We've all been in that spot. And so they're saying, this is beautiful, but it is not ever going to happen. Look at verse 30. And so there was 10 guys that said, it's bad. Oh, it it ain't ever going to happen. Then two guys out of the 12, Joshua and Caleb, they had a totally different report. And isn't it interesting how two Christians can be presented the exact same set of circumstances, and one guy says, oh, no, oh, no. And the other guy says, oh, yeah, this is what I dreamed of. This is beautiful. Why is that? Because one guy refuses to let fear control him. So look at verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. What a bunch of losers. Think about this. Fear is such a liar that these guys were like, hey, we know what they were thinking. Nobody even said anything to them. And sometimes you let fear control your life. Hey, he didn't say it, but I know what he was thinking. She didn't even have to say it, but I know what she was thinking over there. What a lie. You don't even know. And so these 10 guys right here, without the help of CNN, without the help of Twitter, without the help of the Internet, they spread a spirit of fear amidst several million people overnight. Wow. And we think that, well, the reason there's, you know, fear and negativity is able to spread so much these days is because of TV and the Internet. A spirit of fear doesn't even need that stuff to do its job and to control mass amounts of people, let alone one person. But these guys, these 10 guys spread fear and anxiety and stress throughout millions of people overnight without any internet and without any TV. And so look at chapter 14, verse one, right here, chapter 14, verse one, the very next verse. So these guys spread their report. Oh, it's beautiful, but we're not ever going in. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Think about that. The entire community, the grown men, 
the women, the children, the babies, everybody wept aloud and sobbed all night long. What a terror. These are the same people that saw God part the Red Sea. The same people that saw God send ten plagues against Egypt. The same people that had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And that they come up against this and they're like, we ain't ever getting in. This is awful. And look at your life. Look at the things that God's done in your life. You survived 2020, if nothing else, because you're sitting here. But think about the things that God has brought you through. And on top of that, there are things that God protected you from that you'll never even know about until you get to heaven. There's times there was a drunk driver out there that was going to hit you, but God took you a different route. There's times that somebody was going to come and do something bad at the store you were in, but God sent you to the other store. There are things that the devil planned to bring against you that God protected you from that you'll never know about until you get to heaven someday. So don't you ever say, well, I mean, I hear these stories, but God never did anything. I never seen anything like that. Thank God you haven't. That means God's really super protected you. But God has had his hand all over your life, and that's the reason you're here today. So don't sit there and cry, well, I'm never going to get into the promised land. Not with that attitude, you're not. If you will act like point number one, God's word is true, you're going to get in there but you're going to have to do it God's way. And so look down here, chapter 14, verse 11, because this whole fear thing started to really tick God off. Well, I don't believe God can get angry. Hey, God can get angry. Now, he's rich in love, and he's slow to anger. Anger isn't his first go-to thing, but he can eventually be pushed there. And so... We read right here that this whole fear, imagine, man, you've done stuff for your kids their whole lives. You've provided for them. You've protected them. You've given, given, given. You've been nothing but good to your kids. And then they have the audacity to doubt your goodness. That would kind of, I don't know, wouldn't it? I mean, come on, that that'd rub you the wrong way a little bit. And like, I don't really know if you're a good dad. I don't really... How can you say that? I've kept a roof over your head. I fed you. I've, I've taken care of you all these years. And now you're going to doubt my goodness and my love for you. That would kind of rub you the wrong way just a little bit. And here we see God's kind of a little bit upset. In fact, he's really upset. And so chapter 14, verse 11, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Wouldn't it be sad if God had to say that about your life? Will she ever believe me? Will she ever just trust me after all the things I've done for her? And so God says, will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, here it is, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. And then I will make you, Moses, into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Wow. That's pretty angry. (laughs) That's a pretty upset state of affairs right there where God, I can't stand any of them. I'm going to, you know what? I've just got a few good people that I even like now. Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. I'll save you guys and make a nation out of you guys. But everybody else, I can't stand them anymore. Woo! Come on, somebody. That is a bad spot to be in right there. But if you keep reading, Moses intercedes. Moses pleads. Moses intercedes. He begs God, just give him another chance. And so... Thank God for intercessors. What does an intercessor do? They stand in the gap on somebody else's behalf. 
they pray and they stand in the gap for you. And thank God, that's what Moses did right here. So look at verse 20. Then the Lord said, okay, I will pardon them as you've requested, Moses. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Dear God, don't ever let that be you. Verse 23, they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. And that's exactly what happened. God sent them back out. You can look at a map and and see what they did. They were right there. They were right there at the doorway to the promised land. God said, out you go. You guys, you're going to... Wander in the wilderness until every one of these fearful people have died off. Every one of them and a whole new generation had to rise up and take the promised land because those guys couldn't. So they go out there and they're walking in circles out in the middle of the desert for 40 years until every one of those adults died off. And the new generation rose up. But look at this. So so let's, let's just put it this way. Lessons we've learned. Is it a sin to get startled or be a little bit afraid? No, that's not a sin. But it is a sin to let fear control your life. Well, why is it a sin? Well, God said here that it's a contempt for him. And what it is, is it's elevating the word of fear over the word of God. And I refuse to elevate anybody's word over the word of God, especially the word of fear. Can I get an amen today? I mean, I think that's a worthwhile point right there. And so fear, it seeks to rob you. It seeks to destroy your life and to separate you from what you need to be connected to. And the third thing I'm going to say is this. We're talking about a year's worth of lessons. We could probably list 25 more. But the third thing is this. That I that I've that I have reaffirmed and reestablished and and know more than I've ever known before. Number three, Jesus is coming soon. Who knows that? I mean, we know that, and we're not just saying that. And some people would say, "Yeah, we've been hearing that our whole lives." Peter warned against you saying something so stupid as that. You know, Peter said that in the end time there's going to be scoffers. And people are going to say, "Okay, y'all have been saying." This Jesus is coming back your whole lives. Where is he? Where is he? And people are going to mock you for it. Peter said, don't do that. You ought to be glad he hasn't come back. He's, he's not, he's not being lazy. He's not, he, he's not just uh, slacking on the job. He's holding off for your sake because he wants to give everybody as much time as he can to get right with God. But there does come a point in time when the door to the ark closes and then the flood comes and only those on the ark survive. Well, I came to hear the good news today. Man, that's the good news if you're a Christian. <laughs> And so, Jesus is coming soon. We started a Wednesday night series on March 25th of last year that went for nine weeks. It's still on YouTube and Facebook if you want to go listen to it. But it was incredible each week to look at all of these events unfolding as, I mean, just as we read them. And and there's an incredible amount of end time signs and prophecies that have been fulfilled in the last 12 months. Plagues of locusts. 
Huh? Yeah. Fire. Fire. I mean, just all these things the Bible talked about, and more so than just the things we could see right here where we're at, but nonstop prophecy being fulfilled. Look at this with me. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Who's learned a lot over the last while? All right. Luke chapter 21. And I'm going to look at verses 26 through 28. Luke chapter 21, verses 26 through 28. Now, Luke 21 is a parallel passage to Matthew 24. And so it tells a lot of the same stuff that Matthew 24 does. But Luke chapter 21, and I'm going to go to verses 26 through 28, because I think this really hits close to home. And I mean, we we could just read Luke 21 and Matthew 24 all day long. But Luke 21, and we're going to look here at verses 26 through 28. And this is what Jesus said regarding the end times. He said, people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Think about that. He said, one massive sign at the end of it all is People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And we've just seen the beginning of things. There's a whole lot more to come. And I'm just going to say that right now. But people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Look at verse 27. Then everyone, it's going to happen. Mark my words, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. When you begin to see these things happen, you better start looking for it. You better be ready because your salvation draws nigh, as the King James says. Your salvation is near. Jesus is coming back really, really soon. Do we know the day? Do we know the hour? No, not at all. In fact, Jesus said, not even the son himself. Jesus doesn't even know the day and the hour he's coming back. Only God the Father knows. And people are like, well, why why wouldn't he tell Jesus? Well, I heard Kenneth Copeland put it this way. Man, Jesus reveals everything that the Father tells him to us. Jesus said that himself. He's like, hey, what the Father tells me, I tell you. Man, if God told Jesus the Son, he'd probably tell us, all right? Come on. So listen, it's coming, and it's coming soon, and I am more sure of that than I've ever been sure before, but we have to be ready. Now, one reason I believe that God's blessed us so much over the past year, one reason that we've been blessed with so many new people is that people are realizing that Jesus is coming soon. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, a theologian or, you know, or a, a great scholar of biblical things and eschatology and all this stuff to be able to look around and say, man, Something's going on, right? It's starting to rain out there. There's a flood coming. You don't have to be a genius to come inside and get out of the rain. You just have to have common sense, basically, and realize, man, something's going on. And I love that we have seen that time and time again where people are like, you know what? I need to be right with God. I need to be right with God. Because if this is just the beginning and something else is happening next... We need to be right with God. Now, I was thinking about this this week because I'm a very deep thinker. Don't ask my wife that, but, you know, but uh, I think I'm. So, anyway, 
I was thinking, man, you know, one thing that I, you know, that I've just, I don't know, kind of realized or, uh, or looked at over, over the years of different things happening is when the end times stuff starts to get crazy, you know, you, you see people like, oh man, oh, I better run to God. Then things calm down a little bit and they start to let go. Then things get crazy again. Then they come running to God. Then it kind of calms down a little bit and they start letting go. And I can't think things are kind of, in my, I don't know, my view, starting to calm down a little bit right now. We're starting to see numbers go the right way and things kind of, and, 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 and I'm warning you just because it looks like, well, the COVID may be calming down a little bit and this is going on. There ain't been any riots this week and this going on. I'm just going to listen and mark my words. Don't let go of God now. Imagine you're out there at the beach and you're swimming and, and, and the waves got big for a minute and, oh wait, the last few haven't been that big. Listen, the, the next one coming in may be the biggest one yet. I don't know, but I don't want to take the chance. And so I challenge you, I warn you, I plead with you, I do everything I can to get people's attention just because, okay, we made it through that one, things are getting a little more comfortable. Well, you know what? I promised God if he'd do this, then I would do this. Whatever the case is, listen to me now. Don't let go now. Don't let go. Because according to scripture, there's a whole lot crazier stuff coming down the pike. Well, don't say that. I came to hear the good. I'm just telling you, man. I'm just telling you. There's some crazy stuff that's going to come ahead. Now, if you're in the ark, if you're close to God, if you're close to Jesus, hey, you're good. You're good. He will protect you. His angels will surround and protect you everywhere you go. God's got you if you're going to stay under the shadow of the Almighty. But this would be literally, and I say this and I mean it, this is literally the worst time ever to start letting go of Jesus and to start relaxing with your faith and to start thinking, oh, we're good, we're good. I'm just going to calm down. I'm just going to chill out a little bit. I'm just going to back off a little bit. This is the absolute worst time that you could ever do that. Because Jesus talked about, man, if the thing's coming, I was just reading this yesterday, if the things are coming didn't get shortened just a little bit for the sake of the elect, Jesus said, hey, nobody would survive. And so, again, I'm not, not preaching fear and doom and gloom, but I am preaching urgency. You've made the step today. I know everybody in this room. You have made the decision. You know what? I'm going to start taking my faith serious. I'm going to start taking Jesus and church and the things of God serious. You've made that choice, and that's why you're here today. But I'm telling you right now, don't even give one inch to the devil now. Because he will come in and absolutely mow your family down. And won't think twice about it. Don't give that guy an inch. Stand your ground. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm. You made a stand. You said, you know what? I'm sticking with the word of God. I'm sticking with the house of God. I'm sticking with the people of God. I trust this over anything else in this world. You've made that decision. Stick to your guns and don't give the devil one single inch because very soon you will hear a trumpet. You will see the skies part. You will see the son of man coming on the clouds with great glory and he will be calling your name to take you to your real 
home. This whole thing that we're in right now, this is temporary. This is a rental. I'm going to the real place in the sky to my mansion with streets of gold. And that's not the best part. The best part is I will see Jesus Christ face to face. I will bow down at the throne of God and worship with all the saints and the elders. We will be there and it's not going to end. It'll be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Don't let go now. Don't let go. Hang on to Jesus and he will hang on to you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, but you've got to be able to make the same promise to him. I've noticed a lot of people, they love it when Jesus makes promises to them and keep it, but they don't like to make so many promises to him and keep it. I'm saying right now, Jesus, you said that you would be with me always, even to the end of the world, Matthew 28. I'm saying the same thing to Jesus. I will be with you always, Jesus, even to the end of the world. And then guess what? I'll still be with you because I'll be in heaven with you. And I will see you face to face. Look at verse 36, Luke 21, verse 36. This is my last verse. Luke 21, verse 36. Jesus said this, keep alert at all times. And pray that you might be strong enough to escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Keep alert at all times. And so I'm telling you today to keep alert. Don't look back. Don't let go. And he will not let go of you. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. God's good. Can we give the Lord some praise together? Let's go ahead and stand up. Let's go ahead and stand up. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Have you learned some things? Have you had some things reestablished, reaffirmed in your life? God is good to us. Well, praise God. We're going to take a few minutes here today as we close out. And, you know, again, there's you'll probably see things on the news and on the internet this week and and telling you, well, it's been a full year now. It's been a full 12 months. And all I'm saying is, man, it's been a a full 12 months of glory, a full 12 months of seeing God's promises come to pass, a full 12 months of proving that the word of God works and that it's true. That's all I'm saying. But let's take a minute as we close out today. Josh is going to lead us in a worship song. And let's, man, let's thank God for what he's done. Let's thank God that we aren't where we were a year ago. That we weren't where we were six months ago. That I'm not where I was yesterday. I'm better off today than I was yesterday. That God is good. But let's, let's worship our Lord. Let's worship our Jesus for a minute. Amen. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus Every war he wages he will win I'm not backing down from any giant I know how this story Yes, I know how this story ends. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs 
I just want you right where you're at today. I want you right now, right this minute, to thank God for something that he's done or brought you through over these past 12 months. Right now. You know what it is. You talk to the Lord. I'm not asking you to tell me to tell. I want you right now say, thank you, Jesus, that you brought us through that. Thank you, Jesus. You restored this home, this marriage. Thank you, Jesus, that you kept us safe. Thank you, Jesus. You provided for us whatever it is. We thank you, Lord, that you did it. And those things that the enemy meant for harm, you turned it around and embarrassed him. And it, and, and you did it, and it turned out for our good, Lord. He was trying to roll a, a boulder on us, but it backfired. It rolled on top of him. We thank you, Jesus, that you have been good to us. We love you, Lord, and we will cling to you with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to pray over you today and then we will close out. We'll speak some words of faith over, over Barstow. But right now I want you to raise your hands and I want to pray this prayer over you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we fully acknowledge that you have been good to us, Lord, that we would not be where we are right now if it had not been for you. We didn't get to this place because of how good we are, how smart we are, how strong we are. You got us here, Lord. You delivered us. You redeemed us. You gave us another chance. And we thank you for that, Father. And Lord, I pray over every person here right now, everybody, even listening online, I thank you, Jesus, that we are in a covenant with you. And Lord, you promised that you would protect us. You promised that you would provide. You promised that you would heal. And in fact, Lord, you even promised us that we've got a better covenant with better promises than the people of Israel did back in the Old Testament. Thank you for that. And so, Lord, I say right now that everywhere we go this week, you go with us. You go in front of us. You come behind us. You are there with us. Your angels surround and protect us. And so we know that no sickness is going to touch our bodies, Lord. No wild, crazy maniac is going to bring harm to us or our families. You protect us everywhere we go. I speak joy. I speak 
peace. I speak healing and love into every household here today. Bless every marriage. Bless every child. I thank you, Father, that you are doing a work and we are the light of the world because of you. We praise your name. We love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, can somebody give the Lord some praise today? Amen. God, well, hey, I'm glad I came to church, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. I can take another week on now. We want to remind you that we have service tonight. Pastor's doing part two of the series about the anointing. And so listen, there's a lot of people, you know that word, but you don't fully know what it means. Come out tonight at six o'clock. It's an awesome teaching. You want to catch part two of that? I also want to remind you that membership class is next Sunday. So if you're going to uh, sign up to be a member, go right now to the info booth and put your name on there and get signed up. And we'll call you later this week with more information and details. But what a good day to be a part of the family of God. Let's give the Lord some praise one last time. Come on, somebody. Amen. God is good. Well, we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow, and we are going to close this thing out. Let's say this and say it like you mean it. Say it loud. Say it proud. Say it so loud the devil hears it. Amen. Come on. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.